The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 50th Chris Sheeran Show with Lou DiPietro. Yeah! Oh, I think we just blew out the speakers. That's all right. We're fine. We'll get new ones. Uh, it's Chris Sheeran. It's Lou DiPietro, of course. This is the Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com and iTunes. You can subscribe to it for free. It goes right to your smart device and makes you intelligent. Anywho, Very smart. Anywho. Uh, let's let's begin with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and the New York Football Giants from this past weekend. Uh, let me preface everything by saying, uh, as a Giant fan, which all of you know, all of you who listen to this podcast, you know where my allegiances lie. Uh, and I have to tell you, I would have rather gotten drilled forty-nine to seven or fifty-six to seven than have what happened actually happen. And that's come all the way back to tie the game at 35 and lose on a field goal because the defense uh, was the Giants' defense on that last Panthers drive. That is what has been happening with the defense all season long. But let me go back to what I said in our last podcast on Friday. They're the 32nd-ranked defense in the league. That's dead last, everybody. Dead last. And here's why. I actually had friends on Facebook start a thread that said they were done with Spagnolo. Get him out of here. Here's the problem with that. His system works. He has proven his system has worked. Go, go back to the first Super Bowl. System worked. Perry Fuel was there for the second one. But Spagnolo's system worked. And then remember, before Plaxico Burris shot himself... They were set up to go, but they, they were on a run where they could have went 14 and two. The system works. He had the horses then. He doesn't have the horses now. You got Unga, who is an undrafted rookie free agent, starting at middle linebacker. He's a special teams player. Look at your D backs and your safeties. Craig Dahl. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he busts his rear end in practice. I'm sure that's why Spagnola sung his praises before the game started. He's not good. He can't cover NFL receivers. You know why? He's a special teams guy. Starting in the defensive backfield. Cooper Taylor is not a starter. He's a special teams guy. Mark Herzlick, he's a nice player. He's a special teams guy. Do you see the, the common denominator here with the defense? This is bend and not break. And it bends all game. And then breaks in the fourth quarter. It's the modus operandi of this defense. They stink. <laughs> there's, there's no other way to put it. They're the last ranked defense in the league. What do you expect? Do you think these special teams players, these glorified special teams players, starting on a defense that I grew up watching, that if you had a lead, the game was over. It was like having Mariano Rivera in the bullpen. Lullaby. Good night. You were done. Now, offenses, opposing offenses, have those, you know, the paddles at the hospital bring you back to life. That's the Giants' defense. Clear. Touchdown, field goal, game over, we lose. 
I said it on the show on Friday. If you thought they were going to beat the Panthers, you had something wrong with you. And I know they came back and they tied it. But let's be honest. The Panthers, they took the foot off the gas, A. B, I think Cam Newton came out because his knee was hurt and Derek Anderson came in. They, they, they had a couple of miscues. They let the Giants back in the game. Eli Manning showed you why he is and should be up in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in this league. And why any other team in this league who's struggling in that position would kill to have Eli Manning under center. Now, that leads me to Odell Beckham Jr. I, I, did I wrap that up okay for you? I think okay. so. Okay, great. So let's go to Odell, and I'm sure Lou has his thoughts on this too. And on the way up here to do this, he hit the nail on the head, and I'll start with what he said. The main reason why this got to the point it got to was the officials. They're the ones that are out there that could have curtailed most of this garbage that happened on Sunday. Didn't stop Fox from showing replays every five seconds, bumping in and out of break, showing the head slap. I don't know how many freaking times they showed it. It's going to keep viewers around, right? It's going to keep people into the game. Oh, my God, did you see he slapped him in the face? Tried to gouge his eyes out. Keep showing that. Keep queuing it up. Odell Beckham Jr., there's no excuse, especially for that helmet-to-helmet where he launched himself. He should have been ejected from the game at that point. He shouldn't have been in there to catch the game-tying touchdown. He should have been out of the game. Odell Beckham Jr. did what a professional athlete can never do. Odell Beckham Jr. let the opposition get into his head. He did. First Giants drive of the game, he had a surefire touchdown beating Josh Norman, the guy who was throwing slurs at him before the game, was holding a baseball bat during the game, allegedly pointed the baseball bat at Beckham in the pregame and said, I'm going to break your leg today. That's on the NFL, by the way. Why the hell are the Panthers walking around with baseball bats pregame? It's a good question. Somebody explain that to me. They're allowed to walk around the field and point it at players and and talk smack with baseball bats? What the hell is going on, Roger Goodell? Why isn't there a statement about that? Now, again, that does not excuse the actions of Beckham. But I take exception. I do. I've never been a professional athlete in my life. I've been around a lot of them. I've never been in a league in my life. But I take exception with people who are not near the field, but are in their comfortable ivory towers in front of microphones the next day, dropping verbal grenades all over the landscape. I take exception to that. It's one of the problems I have. Because you don't know what was said. You don't know what was being said during the game. 
Should Beckham have taken the high road? Yes. But you don't know what is said in the heat of the moment on that field. Nobody does but the players. Shut your mouth. He's a clown. He's garbage. He, you know what? He's a kid. He's young. He let guys get into his head. And what he did this does not represent Giants football. It doesn't. But screw you in front of a microphone the next day thinking you're holier than thou and knowing what the hell is going on on the field. Acting like a priest yelling at a a kid. And I I can think you know who I'm talking about. I don't have to say it. But it makes me sick. It really does. Both things. It's really easy to sit in front of a microphone, not knowing what the hell was said or what was going on on the field during the game, and just be able to call the kid a clown and call him garbage without hearing his side of the story or seeing the baseball bats that came out in pregame. You're a competitor. You have that fire under you, and then that stuff happens. And I just heard on WABC coming in, Sid Rosenberg, our good buddy, and Bernard McGurk are filling in for Geraldo Rivera on his show. And according to Sid, I didn't see this, but there were homophobic slurs thrown around out there too. So walk a mile in Beckham's shoes and say to yourself, if you're pumped up to play a 13-0 team, And Josh Norman, the guy that's going to cover you, has been talking smack all week long and then shows up with a baseball bat saying he's going to break your leg and throwing homophobic slurs at you. What would you do as a professional football player? What would you do in the heat of the moment? You don't know. So don't just sit there and act like you would take the high road and not do what Beckham did. Somebody's going to threaten to break your leg? That's your livelihood. That's taking money off your table. Because guess what? If you do go out and break the guy's leg, look at Victor Cruz. He didn't even play this year. His career could be over. Of course, he's got the modeling and everything else going for him, but he could never play football again. Wide receivers who are very explosive just don't come back from broken legs or broken feet. What he did was wrong, and I'm not excusing what he did. Any of his actions. The officials, first and foremost, could have controlled it, curtailed it, and got it under control. Captain repetition. But they could have done it. They didn't. They let it go. Tom Coughlin saying he didn't know who the personal foul penalty is on is ridiculous. You're the head coach. You need to know what the hell is going on on the field. Someone, one of your assistants needs to come up to you and says, hey, Odell just speared him with his helmet. We got to get him off the field and see what the hell is going on. Never happened. I know there's a lot of stuff going on. During a game on Sunday. But the head coach has to be plugged in to to, to at least that. 
Don't tell me every single one of the Giants coaches, especially the ones upstairs, saw that happen and didn't get it down to Coughlin. And if they didn't, that's on the whole staff, and they should all be punished. What we witnessed on Sunday is anti-Giant. And I know to the fans that aren't Giant fans, oh, that's so Giant fan. Well, yeah. That's not how this team was built and run by Wellington Mara. And I could guarantee you that John Mara was in the locker room after the game, and he said, to, you won't, you'll never hear about it, but I guarantee you he was in there. I was, I was involved in, in the show Timeline Jersey Guys about the Giants move to, the, to New Jersey from New York. Had a couple of lines in it on NFL Network. And I watched the whole thing, and, and John Mara told a story about his father, Wellington Mara. And then I'll lay out and let Lou speak because he's been sitting here letting me vent for the past, I don't know, 14 minutes for crying out loud. But he told the story of Wellington Mara. Giant fans were fed up. They had enough. And they wanted the ownership gone. They wanted new ownership. And I believe it was the Eagle game when Herm Edwards picked up the ball after Pisarczyk muffed up the handoff and it was the miracle at the Meadowlands. Yep. Thanks for that drop in there. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking things up for, <laughs> looking things up for rebuttal while while you while you speak your mind. But Wellington Mara, after that loss, I think it was that loss. It was it was a bad giant loss. Goes in and destroys a wooden chair. Splinters it. To the point where John Mara had to grab him and say, Dad, I think you got it. I wonder how many chairs have been ruined this year. And you know what? There better be at least six of them. Lou? Again, they've lost five five games that they led in the final minute and a half and, and this one that they were tied. Um, the people who I will listen to when they when they talk about what was going on down on the field are people like Jim Doppelis, who was the former NFL head of officials, which is, de- depending on how you like the hierarchy, either Dean Blandino or Alberto Riveron's job now, who, f- who said the officials blew it. And I'll listen to, to people who have been down on the field or in the front office or, or have worked. So I'll listen to a Lewis Riddick or a, you know, someone like that, um, any of the cavalcade of, you know, ESPN analysts that were talking about it last night on Monday Night Football, the Ray Lewis's and Steve Young's. And we're going to talk about it, of course, because it's our job and it still brings viewers or listeners in this case. And it is very easy to say you should take the high road if you're Odell Beckham. There's a reason why it's easy to say you should take the high road. It's because that's kind of what you have to do. I understand how he felt threatened, and I've read everything about it. The fact of the matter is the way to combat that is not launching yourself with a 10-yard running start No, it's with the crown of your helmet and trying to concuss the guy. And I said you. that. Right. I said that. He should have been ejected, right. and he should be suspended. There's no defending that. None. This is the NFL's official statement. And I'm just going to read it because it's going to lead into my thoughts on it. And, and I was half watching the game. I was at Barclays Center on Sunday. You were here doing Nets pregame. 
but watching the Giants. Yes. <laughs> and I know you DVR'd the game, so, you know, you got to watch it again. Yes. Um, so we were watching a little bit on the monitors at Barkley Center while the game was going on and, you know, timeouts, commercials, things like that. And we got all of halftime to watch the game because it was still in the second quarter at that mm-hmm. point. Here's the NFL's official statement. Odell Beckham Jr. of the New York Giants has been suspended without pay for Sunday night's game against the Vikings for multiple violations of safety-related playing rules in yesterday's game against Carolina. Beckham was penalized three times for unnecessary roughness, including a late helmet-to-helmet hit against a defenseless player in which Beckham left his feet prior to contact to spring forward and upward into his opponent, lowered his helmet, and initiated forcible contact with his helmet and forcibly struck the defenseless player's head. This Quote, blindside block was particularly flagrant because Beckham, with a 10-yard running start, had an unobstructed path to his opponent. The position of the opponent was not impacted by any other player, and the contact with the head and neck was unavoidable. This is the, this is the decision who's laid down by another person who I know understands what happens on the field, NFL Vice President of Football Operations Merton Hanks, who you may remember from his umpteen Super Bowl appearances as a 49er. Mm-hmm. And his neck wiggle mm-hmm. after a big play. In a letter to Beckham, Hanks noted, At numerous times during yesterday's game, your actions placed a fellow player at unnecessary risk and clearly did not represent the high standards of sportsmanship expected. So now he will appeal, of course, because he has the right to appeal. The appeal will probably be held tomorrow or Thursday. It's a formality because there's no way the appeal judge, for lack of a better word, who also happens to be one of two former players, either Derek Brooks Pretty damn good middle linebacker, if I remember correctly. Or James Thrash. Not a special teamer. Pretty damn not good wide receiver and former Eagle slash Redskin. Probably the third best receiver that Donovan McNabb had in his time in Philly. Uh, They are are the team, the two guys that are appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA to to decide appeals. They're they're basically the J board. So, uh, yeah, I I doubt either one of them is going to do anything about it. But... The bigger problem is the officials. Odell Beckham Jr. got a little hot. He's a hothead. Odell Beckham Jr. is probably probably the best wide receiver in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. All things considered right now. <clears throat> you know, Calvin Johnson at least has Golden Tate and a decent running game, and the Lions stink, but, you know, you saw what they did yesterday against the Saints and what they've done in other games without Megatron. And, you know, take all your other top receivers in the same situations. A.J. Green's got a decent offense around him, and Julio Jones should, theoretically. He's got Devontae Freeman and this and that. So I'll say say it as an Eagles fan that Odell Beckham Jr. is probably the best receiver in the league. No matter what was said, you can't do that. And you should have been ejected. He should have been ejected. No. He should have been ejected for the slap to the head. Not even that 10-yard running start flying headbutt. Yes. Um, I agree with it. It's a punk move. Right. You got to keep your cool. You cannot let your opponent. You, they. What are you called when you're in the NFL? What kind of athlete are you? Professional. That is unprofessional. You. Right. You have to keep your head. You have to keep your cool. Mm. And that is. I know I said it's ungiant, but it's unprofessional. You know, you, you and I have never been professional athletes. We've been around a bunch, but you and I have also played. Recreational, yeah. You know, you play hardball. I, I play. You know how I ball. get when I play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care. And there's, I... I've seen in in 15 years of doing that, and I'm sure you have too. Things that have been said, done by other teams, other players, beefs, whatever. The way to settle it is not to attempt to strike first. It's just not the way. It's it's unprofessional, like you said. 
what should have happened, yes, is Beckham should have been ejected for throwing a punch. That's in the NFL rules. He was ejected for throwing a punch. But this brings me to the point. And it's funny because yesterday or the other day on Barstool Sports when uh, the guy that tried to increase the price of the AIDS pill got yeah. arrested for yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the writers posted their 10 most punchable faces, and Dean, <laughs> Dean Boyandino was like number three or four. Because you look at him, and he looks like he has no clue what's going on. Oh, God, and I, I think that's the problem. I think the officials, <sighs> the officials this year on the whole have been awful. You know most of the names of the referees in the NFL. Oh, I know them because I pay attention. Mm-hmm. The common fan knows the names of most of the referees in the NFL because they've been terrible. Yeah. And this is just another missed thing. And Blandino comes on and he'll say, Charlie Brown's teacher. Yeah. And, and nothing gets done. And, and I think what needs to be done is I think a former player needs to be put in charge of that. Someone who understands the rules or has broken them enough to try to understand them. And it's true. Nobody could really know the entire NFL rulebook inside and out. It's it's thicker than the Bible. If you ran the NFL, would you allow teams on the field before the game to carry baseball bats? No. I'd also measure the, the inflation of the balls every game, too. But, you know, that's, that's a different story. Because, to me, that's where this nonsense started. Yeah. That's where it started. And apparently they've been doing this all season long. God forbid if it was a white guy, no less. And there, and because then it would be a racial issue on top of it. And, and the NFL doesn't right. need that. And there, were, there was video on Deadspin. I don't know if you saw it. Eli Manning is shaking everybody's hand as they're running in. And there's a person in Carolina Panther gear waving a bat towards the Giants running onto the field. What the hell is going on? Right. Exactly. No. Shouldn't. What? What is this West Side Story? Are two gangs gonna gonna start playing football? Is 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 that what Roger Goodell wants? Where's Roger Goodell today? Where Where was he yesterday? Sitting in his office in New York City, counting his money. What? Th- there's no statement. He'll let He'll let Merton or Troy Vincent or whoever handle. Oh Dean God! Handle. It just continues. Uh, da- it, it continues a downward spiral. Flat, flat out. I, and I, I've I've long said this, and I know there's unions, and I hate unions. Some of these guys just need to get fired straight out. There, yeah. There's there's there are officials in the NFL that need to get fired because, much like you know any glamour job, whether it's an NFL official or a production assistant at WWE, or ESPN or some glamour company where I've worked, where I've seen people cycle in and out because there's 900 people waiting to take the job you can't stand anymore. It's time to cycle some of these guys in and out. You don't, you can't cut it. What happens in baseball when you can't cut it? You get sent down to the minors. Enjoy. See you later. I, I agree. Hey, Pete Morelli. 100%. Pete yeah. Morelli, thanks for coming. Your services are no longer needed. Hey, so-and-so, your services are no longer needed. These guys need to be held accountable. Ed Hockley. Gene Sterator. Sterator. Jerome Bogar. <laughs> Jerry Markbright. No, he's gone. Jerry Austin. No, oh, he's gone too. <laughs> Jerry Seaman. Mike Pereira and Mike Carey. Yeah. Who were, oh, God. Who were so bad as referees. They're I now, re- they're now had... referees, uh, fake referees in the booth. I thought I had one of the best um, Steve Harvey memes of all time after this whole Miss Columbia, Miss Philippines yep. mm-hmm. gaffe. I had, I had the double box with 
Mike, Mike Carey, Carey and yeah. Steve Harvey, and I had a little commentary. So, Mike, what did you see? I, I think it's Miss Columbia for sure. <laughs> well, there was that one game. I forget who it was, but he said he saw something, and Jim Nance is like, I don't think yeah, so. Jim- look, <laughs> look at this and this, and Mike Carey's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. you're right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right then and there. I mean, the, the nonsense of that. But what may, need, what may need to happen is this. <laughs> And I, and I understand there's a replay official yeah. up, upstairs at every game as well. Much like MLB has the hole, mm-hmm. the cave, whatever you want to call it, in Chelsea Market. Mm-hmm. I think the NFL needs to have one of those, and yeah. they need an they need the NFL needs to hire, and the NHL has their in Toronto, Toronto, yeah. The NHL, the NFL needs to hire another twenty officials or so, whose sole job is a extra replay official upstairs at the game. And the other handful are in New York or wherever. It'd probably be New York, watching the games to help out with extra replay. Know stuff. the rule book inside and out, right? And, when and that's their call, job. No, an official, a replay official for each game that yeah. day in that cave. And whenever there's a, a replay, that official mm-hmm. watches it at the home base. He makes the call or she makes the call. Because the the other problem with this and the reason it's so prevalent in the NFL is that. Very few to none of these guys are full-time officials. They all have other jobs. They're because lawyers, fo- they're fo- doctors. Football's yeah. a one-day-a-week endeavor. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to... Make it a full-time make gig. Make it a full-time gig. Maybe it's time to say, you know what, if we're going to have Thursday night football and Monday night football and a special Saturday edition of Thursday night football presented by Monday night football... <laughs> And everything else that goes on, maybe it's time to hire nine or ten crews full-time. Yeah. And you know what? This is your full-time job. So guess what? You're working Thursday and you're working Sunday. I think Hockley is a power lifter in his free time. Ed Hockley is the purveyor of the gun show in his spare time. <laughs> he loves saying first down. He's the, he's, the NR, he's the NRA's poster child right there for the gun show. So – that's the point is that they may need a little bit more help and have these guys looking out for stuff that eight guys miss. Like, for instance, for instance, and I wish I could remember what game it was. Oh, wait, I can because I was watching. It's the Eagles game. The Eagles game the other night. Kelly's Campbell is signaling, and please, I'm going to put the mic down. Please, please narrate for the people. Mm-hmm. That if you are, if you are the quarterback, okay. you are Sam Bradford. Okay. Oh boy. Please, please put a stupid look on your face. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> please, I will be Calais Campbell, and then uh-huh. I will be the umpire. Okay. First, narrate what Calais Campbell was doing prior to a snap. Okay. Prior to the snap, he was calling timeout repeatedly. Okay. Now you'll have to turn your head, but I'm going to be the umpire. Mm-hmm. Please tell me where I'm standing. I, I uh, um. Oh, okay. He's looking right at Campbell, <laughs> like Johnny Bench, um, looking at the pitcher, giving the sign. So The umpire's job is to look at the quarterback. He was standing right in front of the quarterback. Yeah. Calling timeout frantically. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. To the point where the play happens, the Eagles get a good play out of it, and Bruce Arians went ballistic on the line judge on the other side. <laughs> I feel, How are you not paying attention? I feel so sorry for the line judges because they have to deal with everything that everybody else misses. 
because they're the ones closest to the coach. I, I, you know, I God forbid I invoke gambling. In they this. don't get paid yeah. to. They don't get paid enough. Oh well, you know, fantasy owners don't know if Odell Beckham Jr. is going to play. I don't enough. know. Yeah, I don't know what they. Because that's is the, what we should worry. And about. And this is the finals. That's what we should worry about, Lou. Let's let's worry about fantasy owners. Well, we'll have to go double box sponsored by DraftKings. Not the integrity of the game. Um, God forbid I bring gambling or fantasy or anything into this, but like these people sucking at their jobs is hurting more than the NFL product. Yeah. I mean, it's hurting the NFL product, but I not kicking that guy out of the game on I Sunday. Mean, how, Beckham um, almost got Josh Norman and maybe even Beckham injured mm-hmm. big time. And let's be fair. If Norman was doing any sort of taunting on the field or things like that, maybe a suspension should be looked in for him too. I doubt Carolina would care. All they're playing for right now is a perfect season. Yeah. I guess they're technically still playing for home field advantage because Arizona could take it away from them. But look, yeah, they the players have there needs to, to know. Be an don't think that the players don't talk to each other. They do, uh, and the players have to know hot button things that could get under the skin of other players. And Norman uh, did what any other player would do in his position. He he got under his skin, and he got under his skin enough to. Get a couple of flags and because uh, he knows we go. Beckham is a second right. year guy. He's twenty three, whatever he is. Right. So, and I again, mean, how, the how, last thing, the last thing I want to say about this, and then you could wrap it up. The thing that really got me going to was seeing Facebook and seeing fans of Redskins, of the Eagles, uh, of the Cowboys. Cowboy fans need to pipe the hell down about wide receivers being uh, idiots because y- you have one. Um, and you've had one for a while. Is that the guy that once beat up his own mom, that Uh, guy? Yeah, that one. Okay. But uh, everyone getting on a high horse, okay? This is the culture that the NFL has molded. Fostered. Fostered for Sunday, okay? So don't tell me for a second. You might have the same issue that I have, like, you know, he shouldn't have done it, he's a punk, but he's my player. And uh, I want him to catch a touchdown pass. I want the Giants to win. Yeah. Okay? So you can't sit there on your high Eagles horse, your high Redskins horse, your high Cowboys horse, or high Jets horse, whoever whoever the fans of these teams that, that got on my case on Facebook were. If he wore your this – is, this is the analogy I came up with. Odell Beckham Jr. is better – than any wide receiver in the league. That's my opinion. What do the Cowboys have right now besides Des Bryant? Terrence Williams. Okay. Lucky Whitehead. What do the Jets have besides Decker and Marshall? And a sometimes on and off Marshall. Quincy and Nunwa. Devin Smith. Well, he's hurt, but. Would the Eagles want a guy like Beckham? Odell Beckham is a better player than any two of the Eagles receivers put together. So don't come at me on Facebook. Odell Beckham is better than any two of the Panthers receivers put together. Right. Funchess, what's his Espe- name? Especially if it's Ted Ginn, because Ted Ginn, Ted Ginn would drop in on you, but he'd drop that too. Lou, you and I could get open against the Giants' defensive backfield. Let's be honest. They stink. Amukamara didn't have a good game. He stunk it up on Sunday. But but uh, but I digress. Yeah. Ted Ginn, Jericho Cotchery, Devin Funchess. If Odell Beckham Jr. 
was a player on your team, all you would care about is him scoring touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's true. all you would care about. So don't tell me for a second. Yeah, is he a punk? Absolutely for what he did, he's a punk. And you could say that. That's fine. My favorite team but had But you Michael would Vick. love – you would love to have him on your team. And I'm glad you said that because he popped into my head last night too when I was thinking about this. Michael Vick went to jail. So did Dante Stallworth. Michael Vick did time for what he did. At least he answered to it. You have a guy on the Cowboys right now on your defense that has an answer to something pretty big. Pretty big. A lot of people like to give Michael Vick a lot of you-know-what, and they should. But he did he did time. Yeah, I don't think there's too many Vikings fans that are upset that Adrian Peterson is still is playing this year. Right. I just it, it's He scores a touchdown. Are they booing? Yeah. So get off your damn high horse. Get out of your ivory tower. Take all your verbal grenades and shove them where the sun don't shine. Because if he was on your team... You would love every freaking second of it, and you can't tell me any different. You can't. And if you did, you're lying. Donnie Fernandez, you would kill to have Odell Beckham Jr. on the Redskins. You would kill. Don't tell me you wouldn't. The only reason you had a problem with what he did on Sunday is because he plays for the Giants. That's it. And I'll say it loud and clear for everybody to hear. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. He's a punk for what he did. Let me make that perfectly clear. He's a punk. But you don't know what was going on in that field. You don't. He's young. Somebody said the magic word. And away we go. And by the way, in hockey... That wouldn't even been looked at with a with a with a crooked eye. Yeah, would have got a five minute major. In yeah, a minute. that's it. Yeah, and here we are screaming <laughs> about two guys who didn't even throw down. I mean, hockey players concuss each other in fights. One guy beat a guy so bad with a stick he missed forty games. Was that Marty uh, McSorley? Marty McSorley. Was that Brashier? Yeah. Donald Brashier yeah. that he hit, and that had racial. That had racial undertones. Undertones. Yeah. Brashier's black. And we're, we're sitting here, Let's, everybody's screaming about a punk on a football field and hockey players beat the hell out of each other. I, I don't know. Here's I don't know. Here's where all of this is, is cover what all of this is covering up and all the officials crap and all the Odell Beckham and this and that and every insert controversy here. There's thirty two teams in the National Football League. A National Football League that's more popular than ever. Despite all of this, just crap. reminding you too, the Giants' defense is ranked 32nd. Go ahead, right. Lou. <laughs> there are 10 out of 32 teams who are either seven and seven or six and eight within one game of 500. Mm-hmm. Okay, not bad. League average, you know, half a third of the teams in the league are, your are, are average. There's five more each that are five and nine or nine and five, meaning they could finish seven or nine and nine and seven. Ugh. Mathematically, and I haven't worked out the permutations because there's still 32 games left on the schedule. You said permutations. There are 20 teams that could finish somewhere between 7 and 9 and 9 and 7. That's two-thirds of the league that finishes at dead average 
There's six teams with ten wins or more. Broncos. And six teams with four wins or less. Patriots, Panthers, Cardinals. Bengals. Bengals. And you said Packers? And Packers. There's the six. Yep. There's there's three in each conference. The Jets have the three division leaders in the divisions that aren't garbage. Oh, by the are way, all ten plus win teams. By the way, Jet fans, <clears throat> pipe down. You know what? Go out and beat the Patriots this week. Then talk. Yeah. Until you beat the Patriots, shut the hell up. Seriously, win a Super Bowl since 1969. Then you could run your mouths. Stop. You can't even beat the Patriots in the regular season. Win a freaking playoff game, then run your mouths. Lou, go ahead. Okay. So, as I mentioned, six teams with ten wins or more, six teams with four wins or less, right? Parity out the wazoo. I don't understand how, how the Atlanta side of this works because Seattle's clinched a playoff spot, and I can't figure out the tiebreakers because Minnesota beat Atlanta. And Seattle beat Minnesota. I, I can't even figure out the tiebreakers despite an hour trying this morning. There's apparently still a scenario where the Super Bowl could be Jacksonville against Atlanta. I'm in. Let's One go. team is 7-7 seven and seven after a 5-0 and oh start. The other one's 5-9. and nine Let's go. With three of their wins against Tennessee. Because Jacksonville could win the South still, right? Yeah. Three of their wins against Tennessee and Indianapolis. But the Texans are 7-7, seven and seven, correct? Mm-hmm. Here's, here's and that's a team that started, what, 0-5? 0-4? 0-4. So here's what we got in the AFC South, which is the dumpster fire American style. Nice! Conference. Dumpster fire, American style. <laughs> uh, Houston leads the division at 7-7 seven and seven after beating Indianapolis. And with fourth-string quarterback Brandon Whedon mm-hmm. leading them into Tennessee this week, who knows what will happen. With B.J. Daniels, who I've never heard of as their backup quarterback. B.J. McKay and his best mm-hmm. friend Bear. Him too. Greg Evigan. Greg Evigan. He was the second dad. He was. Um, Paul Reiser was yeah. the other one. So they are 7-7, seven and seven and they lead the division. Indianapolis, who's trotting out 40-year-old Matt Hasselbeck and insert flavor of the week back up here, Charlie Whitehurst this time, <laughs> at 6-8, and eight, goes to Miami. The Jacksonville Jaguars, whose offense has been humming, see the 51 they put up on, uh, oh, yeah. on Indianapolis, uh-huh. goes to the 31st-ranked defense in the league, Ugh. the New Orleans Saints who looked like a high school team in the first half of last night's epic 5-8 and eight versus 4-9 and nine Monday night football clash. If Houston loses to Tennessee, mm-hmm. which they're without Marcus Mariota, so who knows. If Indianapolis loses at Miami, and God only knows which Miami team is going to show up, right. or which any team is going to show up, or if both or of them. Or any of them. Or if either one of them show up and they just play Magic the Gathering for three hours or in the locker room. Or if they just show up, let's put yeah. it that way, yeah. Or if Pete Morelli's team is the officiating team, then God only knows what's going to happen. And the Jaguars go into New Orleans and win. You have an interesting scenario. If Jacksonville beats Houston, they win the division. Wow. At 7-9. Oh, my good Lord. Hey, the Seahawks won 7-9, and nine, and didn't they win a play? No, that was the Saints. The Saints were 7-9, and nine and they went to Seattle and beat Seattle. Or was Seattle the seven and nine? Seattle was seven and nineteen. Yeah, and, and they won on the last week of the season. They beat Sam Bradford in the Rams in Week right. Seventeen of Monday Night Football. That's right, Sunday Night Football. Uh, if Jacksonville wins out at New Orleans at Houston, if Houston loses out at Tennessee and then Jacksonville, and Indianapolis either loses out against Miami and Tennessee or beats Miami and loses to Tennessee, either way they can still lose. They don't have to lose out in this scenario. Jacksonville wins the division on a three-way seven and nine tie, or two-way seven and nine tie. 
Because they have a better conference record than both Houston and Indianapolis. Good Lord. How great would that be? That'd be awesome. Okay. I, I just I'd love, love the, to see Jacksonville in the playoffs. I'd love to see the Jaguars and Falcons in the Super Bowl. Try selling that one. Likewise, somehow I, again, I can't figure out the tiebreaker, but somehow Atlanta is still technically still alive, even though Seattle's clinched a berth. Somehow they can out tiebreak Minnesota. Try selling that to the 50th anniversary yeah. of the Super Bowl. The only problem with uh, that is, is Seattle's not going to lose out. So as soon as Seattle wins a game again, it becomes a two-way tie between Minnesota and Atlanta, at worst, and Minnesota beat Atlanta. So that's it. That brings me to the dumpster fire national style. NFC the East. NFC. The Giants, with or without Odell Beckham Jr., with or without any other player that actually deserves to play in the NFL, mm-hmm. can still be your 2015 NFC East They champions. have to win out. The Redskins have to lose out. This, this, this is what happens. We've got Eagles, Redskins, Vikings, Giants this week, and then Cowboys, Redskins, Giants, Eagles on January 3rd. The Redskins win. They're in. Yep. Worst they can do is an 8-8 eight and eight tie with the Giants, and, and they, have still the, in. they have the tiebreaker. And they're still in. Right. Because they have a better conference record. Right. If the Eagles win on Saturday night, then the Eagles will be in if they beat the Giants in Week 17. Flat out. That's, that's, that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll have a better, confer, uh, better division record. They'll win via division so record. So the Eagles still have a shot as well. Right. Win Saturday in Week 17 in because they'd win any tie. They'd be 4-2 in the division. The Giants have two scenarios if the Eagles win. They can win at 8-8 eight and eight if they win out and Washington loses out. That would mean Washington and Philly both finish 7-9. and nine. The Giants finish 8-8. Eight and eight. It's an outright championship. Yay. And we host a playoff game. <laughs> if, <laughs> if they lose to Minnesota, oh, but Philly beats Washington. Then in Week 17, if Dallas beats Washington, which has already happened... This month, and the Giants beat the Eagles, which happened last year in Week 17, Mm -hmm. and happened three years ago in Week 17. I was there. It was Andy Reid's last game. I kept yelling at him that he looked like the Lorax. It was fantastic. (laughs) He does. Oh, my God. Then you have a three-way tie at 7-9. and Based on division tiebreakers, you go to -to head-to-head record. Everybody would be two and two. They've won one game and lost one game against the other two teams. You go to division record. You add in the Cowboys. Oh, the Cowboys swept the Redskins. Bye-bye, Washington. Mm -hmm. You're eliminated. Then you move on to the two-team tiebreaker. Head-to-head, 1-1. Division record, 3-3, Conference record, The 7-9 Eagles would have won three of their games against the AFC. The Giants only won two. With a 5-7 conference record, beating 4-8, your 7-9 Giants are the 2015 NFC East champions. Oh, boy. And at 32nd. And we'll host the Seattle Seahawks, and we'll get, we'll probably be a two and a half or more touchdown underdog at home in the playoffs. 32nd defense going up against Russell Wilson. Lullaby. And imagine if Marshawn Lynch is back. Look at what the Panthers did without a running game. Ugh. I mean, Cam Newton counts, but Russell Wilson can run like Cam Newton, right? Yeah. And I, let, me, let me just say something real quick about Cam Newton. Because there's a lot of people that give him the business for what he does on the field, you know, whether it's the Superman pose after he scores or I don't know what he does, that little. You're not, you're not hearing a lot of people in Carolina worried that he stole laptops and got kicked out of Florida, and that's why I ended up at Auburn, are you? Speaking of criminals, uh, just there, saying. There you go. 
Um, I mean, I'm a little salty because I'm a Gator fan, but well, it led the go. way for Tim Tebow, so whatever. Yeah. But uh, he gives footballs to little kids. And call me a softy. The whole team is starting to do it now. Those kids will remember that for the rest of their lives. Whether they're Cam Newton fans or not. Right. They'll remember it. They find, you know, Panthers uh, stuff at away games. They, they, you know, the kids in the wheelchairs that they take care of at home. I mean, it's just people give them stuff for the over-celebration, which, you know, kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. But I'm on the fence. I, I, I tend to like the guy that gets in the end zone and flips the ball Barry Sanders style to the official. Hey, act like you've been there before. But you got to have some personality. You have to. Do you remember that commercial? I think they still play it every now and again with the kid for the play 60 where he's like, maybe I can be big and strong, yeah, and come to and be the Carolina Panthers quarterback and replace you and become your mom's favorite player. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? Huh? Like, yeah. I mean. So I, I think people need to just settle a bit with that. And be more upset about the fact that two seven and nine teams could be hosting. Yeah, that. Now, now think about this. Now, Segway. Now you know NBC gets one game from each conference, and then Fox and ESPN. Um, don't Fo- they get Fox. One? Well, NBC and ESPN get one or whatever it is, and, Fo- and then Fox and CBS get one. The Saturday four thirty game is usually the worst matchup because it's Saturday at four thirty, and then. The Sunday, the Saturday at eight o'clock one is usually the best matchup because it's in prime time. Mm-hmm. Which which crappy matchup are you going to pick for that four thirty game if there's two seventy nine teams in the playoffs? You'd have Giants Seahawks in one game most likely because again I'm assuming Seattle's probably going to win out and they have the tiebreaker in Minnesota. So you'd have Giants Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Seattle coming across the country, 4.30 time slot would be ideal for them because it's a 1 o'clock Seattle game. Right. Or you'd probably have Jacksonville against either Kansas City or Denver. God almighty. So you'd have Denver coming across to Jacksonville. That'd be a good game, too. The fact that Would those be the the Saturday games? The fact that Jacksonville and the Giants get to host a playoff game. Drives me insane. I'm going to go on record and guess that neither one of those teams will actually be in the playoffs. No. And if there's one, it will be the Giants because no, but I don't think Houston's going to lose to Jacksonville I, at home I think, with the division on the I line. think the Redskins wrap it up this weekend. I really do. They're going to win. And as soon as they win, they're in. Yeah. So. And they'll probably be the 4-30 Saturday game. Right. Who, whichever dumpster fire survivor... Uh, gets to face Seattle. Is they probably, be the, the NFL Saturday. has that on their official webpage. <laughs> Saturday, 4.30, dumpster fire division winner. <laughs> the tall, tallest midget versus Seattle. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I just, It's funny. This is our 50th show. This is the 50th Super Bowl coming mm-hmm. up. We're off for the next week and change. Two weeks, really, because we won't be back until the Thursday right. after New Year, the Thursday after New Year's, right, or somewhere around there. So, before we go into our last ten minutes of the Magic Hour, talking about other things, because mm-hmm. there are other things to talk mm-hmm. about, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who wins the division? Which Who, which one? The dumpster fire. Oh, NFC East. Who okay. wins the division? Right. Who wins the NFC? Mm-hmm. Who wins the AFC? Mm-hmm. And who wins the Super Bowl? 
And let me let me write down my picks real quick so you can see them so that I don't just pick yours. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Okay. Go ahead. Who wins the NFC East? The Redskins. Okay. Who wins the NFC? Because you're you're looking at basically whoever wins the NFC East becomes playoff team number six. The six playoff teams are the six playoff teams are set based on who you think wins the East. Because I don't think Atlanta is going to make it. No. So it's going to be Seattle and Minnesota as the wild cards, and Mm -hmm. Seattle has a tiebreaker. So they're as long as they're tied or better, they're they're the five. Who do we got? We got Packers. You're looking at Panthers one. Cardinals Panthers, or pa- Cardinals, Cardinals, Packers, 2-3, depending on how it goes. NFC East, 4. Seattle, probably 5. Minnesota or Packers, 6. And it's Cardinals, 2. Panthers, 1, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to say it's Panthers-Cardinals in the NFC Championship game, but I'm going Cardinals into the Super Bowl. Arizona wins. Okay, that's pretty good. That's not a bad pick. There's realistically three picks. Chalk until the championship. I think one and two get through. I think Seattle's Seattle, especially if Marshawn's not back. I don't think Seattle could survive against an Arizona or a Carolina, wherever they have to play. Um, and what's the other thing? The AFC. Who, so you're you're looking at right who now wins it all. Right now, the 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 Pats are number one. Mm-hmm. Bengals. Broncos are fighting for two, three. Uh, you don't have to tell me. The South is New the four. New England's going. Okay. New England's going back. You don't think you don't think the Texans going to show? No. Uh, New England's going. So then back. you've got an Arizona New England Super Bowl. Who wins that? Unfortunately, the Patriots. Right. I can tell you, we are one out of four in sync. I think Philadelphia is going to win the NFC East. Okay. I think Washington's defense is a little suspect. In spots, mm-hmm. I think if Bradford can get ro- – Bradford looked better in the first half, first three quarters, we'll say, minus that pick six where he looked like he had no idea what he was doing, better than he has pretty much all season. They're going to be down at least one corner, if not two, and possibly three. But if they can find a way to contain Deshaun Jackson, and that person's name is Malcolm Jenkins, I think they got a good shot. Of winning that game. And then it comes down to week 17 where they know that if they beat the Giants, who they pasted earlier in the season, they they got a shot. I think going into the NFC playoffs, I think Seattle wins. Here's why. Seattle's going to be the five seed. Mm-hmm. They're going to play the the burn victim in the, in, in, the fourth, game. in the road game. They'll be at least a touchdown, if not more, favorite on the road in the Eastern time zone against whoever wins that game. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the way Russell Wilson is throwing the ball lately? Can you imagine playing the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL and that coming at you? Yeah, they'll get okay. by the first round. That's fine. Seattle, Arizona would then be the second. Mm-hmm. We'll figure the Panthers lock up the one seed. You're looking at Seattle, Arizona. Okay. Seattle has the one defense that can stop the deep threats. Seattle has the one defense that can. Bottle up the running game. Well, wait a, a minute. Bit. Wouldn't it be Panthers, Seattle, because they're the five? 
I'm, I'm they go- would get the lowest. I'm going seed. out on a limb here, and I'm saying that the the Vikings are going to beat the Packers in Lambeau twice. Oh, okay. All right. This sorry, sorry, I forgot, I rushed, to, I forgot I to mention rushed, that. I rushed the bit. I'm I sorry. forgot to mention that. But either way, you're looking at that Arizona game, mm-hmm. and they're without the Honey Badger, which is huge, especially if uh, they're without their other safety. Again, still, whatever. That's huge. On the other side, their other opponent would be Carolina. Carolina's got a great defense. Doesn't have a great offense. They're a good offense. Seattle has a good, not great offense. Carolina has a good defense. Seattle's been there before. Carolina's got all the pressure in that game. Seattle, I think, can beat them both based on all of that, even if it's on the road. And so that's why I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. They're just they're they started four and four. They had some bad losses early, but they've lost to they it lost doesn't to, matter about early. They lost to the Bengals in the middle of the Bengals huge run. They lost to it's how you close, you know, and they were up by twenty one in that game. They in the lost third quarter. They lost to St. Louis. They lost to Pittsburgh. Like it just they're not losing outside of that week one loss in St. Louis, which they didn't have Cam Chancellor and other things going on. All the things they've been through. They're rolling right at the right time. They are the definition of team getting hot that's scary to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And there's four teams in the NFC that nobody wants to play in the playoffs, really, because you're counting the fact that the Packers are going to get a home game somewhere. On the AFC side, I completely agree with you. It's New England. The road goes through New England. Who's going to beat them? Denver. The Chiefs? Denver's quarterback situation. Denver? Yeah. Cincinnati's quarterback situation. Exactly. The Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to have to win like 15 in a row to get to the Super Bowl because they're probably going to win out. They play, I think they play Cleveland and Oakland. They got Gronk back. Maybe they'll have Edelman yeah. back by the time, you know. And you know what? The Steelers could pull a couple upsets and could be, you know, a Pat Steelers AFC Championship game. That'd be a pretty good game. Who knows if the Jets sneak in there, but it's New England. Beat the Patriots, like I said. <clears throat> Beat the Patriots, then, then run your mouths. And... I have Seattle winning the Super Bowl over New England in a in a rematch of rematches. Boring. <laughs> All right. That's that's it. That's your pick. So we'll see how that goes. All right. What else you got for me? Um, the Nets won. I there's that. I cannot fi- see I, I did the game Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um uh brutal. You were there, so you saw it firsthand. I was in studio. A brutal, brutal beatdown by the Timberwolves. The Nets couldn't shoot. It, yep. it was their own building. They couldn't shoot. They couldn't stop anybody inside. And they couldn't stop anybody inside. They're usually, you know, they, they're third in the league points in the paint. Third. Towns and Gorgie Dang combined, I think, for 45 points and 21 rebounds? Yeah. Yeah. They, they were out. Outclassed in the paint. Right. Then, what happens? A back-to-back. You know, net fans out there, you all roll your eyes. Here we go again. We're going to Chicago. It's a back-to-back. There's no way. We- oh, Joe Johnson decided to play. And Minnesota got pounded in Boston last night, too. Right. KG didn't play, but let's be fair. He plays K- 13 K- minutes K- a game. KG's hardwood Sorry. decoration Sorry. at this point. 16 minutes a game. Yeah, he's decoration at this point. Let's be honest. Um but yeah, I, I I I can't figure them out. I now they were up by eight with three minutes left, and, and they almost, only won by three. Yeah, almost blew it. So, but almost 
just like it doesn't count almost winning, it doesn't count almost losing. It's a win. You get out of Chicago. You know, you get to the holiday break that you have coming up after the game against the Mavericks on Wednesday. You know, maybe you could. It's a a two day holiday break. It's not even a break. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, they're off. But still, you got a big win over Chicago. Now, maybe you get a sneaky win against the Mavericks. You beat Darren Williams and send him packing. And you could go into the Christmas quote unquote break with two good wins in a row. In a row before you have to start back up again. Their projection based on like point in the season is 21 or 22 wins. Seven and 20 after 27 games. So multiply by three, it's 21 and 60, and then there's one game left. So 21 or 22 wins. Now they have eight. They have eight. Now they have eight. Now they have eight. 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 But I'm saying after after Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. At the sort of one third point. Gotcha. So that's going to be interesting. So there's that. The Yankees haven't done much. As you said, the free agent market is moving slowly. The hot stove is on warm right yeah, now. Yeah, the hot stove. The hot stove's on clean. <laughs> the moment. I think we should end it right. There. I think it was a solid fiftieth episode. <laughs> I think it was too. Sorry for for my rambling at the beginning. I had to get all that stuff out. Nah, you know what? G- given the, the state of things right now, going into the holidays, and the fact that we did a podcast four days ago, got a lot of mileage out of it. Well, that. thank you, Sunday, for. Yeah, helping us out. We appreciate that. Hopefully, when we come back, when we reconvene, as it were, after Christmas, after break. Christmas, and after the two-week hiatus, uh, the Nets will continue to play like they played against the Bulls and put some wins together. Because you you are off for the next week and yeah. change. I am not back on the Nets until January second. So the day after New Year's, I'm back. Yep, and I I am back on the fourth. Okay, so that's Monday. I, I will be at Barclays Center tomorrow night for Darren, and then right. I am I am off until the fourth. Well, you have fun with that. I, I will, will be that. following you on Twitter, listening to you uh, talk about the Mavericks in town and Darren's triumphant return to the Nets. Can't wait to drive to Brooklyn in the rain uh, in the afternoon, yeah. two Good days before Christmas. That. Yeah, exactly. That'll be a nice three-hour ride for you. Woof. Anyway, uh, listen, we really appreciate everybody who listens to this. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. Um, you know, Lou and I, 50 shows with him, uh, close to 150 with Oriema. Uh, had to be closer to 200 with him. And a good – I'll, I'll go back and count today since I'm not tremendously and busy. And I don't but... know how many with Doug. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for, since 2009, so this, we're going into the seventh year. Uh, of doing this podcast and I've had the uh, honor to be next to three guys that, you know, their heart is in this, their, their brain is in this. They, they, they work tirelessly um, so they could help me out tremendously on this podcast because, you know, I could sit here and just, go off by myself and go nuts and just, you know, have my ridiculous views. It's been the guys who've checked me down over the years who make this podcast what it is. And that's Joe and that's Doug. And that's the guy sitting uh, beside me right now, uh, Lou DiPietro. So I just want to say I couldn't have done it without all of them. Uh, and look, looking forward to doing it some more with Lou until he leaves me. They all leave me. They all come, then then they talk for a little bit, and then they leave. But that's it. You know, there's one constant, like uh, James Earl Jones says, baseball. And there's one constant on this podcast, and it's this guy. (laughs) Everybody else. That's why the show is named after you. I'm I'm, I'm beginning to think it's me. (laughs) 
Anyway. You're the Taylor Swift of podcasts. Oh, come on. Anyway, for Lou, I'm Chris. We'll see you next year, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next year for uh, a brand new edition of this show.